and welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. All right, good morning, New Life. It's uh, good to be back with you all. How are we doing here? Um, uh, my name is Pastor Robin. I'm one of the elders here at uh, New Life, and it's glad it's a great uh, opportunity to for us to reflect on the word of the Lord together. We had some great time of song, and I think the um, the appropriate thing now is to uh, take some time to reflect on the goodness of the Lord with, with his word. You know, um, I was thinking about this message and preparing for it and uh, actually, first of all, thinking about it. And uh, it came to the conclusion that, as we know, it was Ursula's birthday, but also Ross's. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, oh, what was, what's a proper sermon I could uh, prepare uh, for uh, today to, you know, commemorate and honor you know, this man, you know, and I was thinking about it and it just dropped in my heart, you know, this, this word, uh, uh, spiritual fathers, you know, and this is a term that uh, could be used in Christian circles and, and uh, could be loosely, uh, loosely used. And when it kind of struck me, I'm like, okay, well, I wonder if there's a biblical verse that talks about that, a verse in the Bible talks about that. So I went looking and, uh, and then came across this verse and I want to share it with you today. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 to 17. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 to 17. Let me read it to you. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. It's got tons of problems. We know about that because we just went through talking about 2 Corinthians, but this is one of his earlier writings to them. And uh, he wants to address them as their spiritual father. And he says this. For you have countless guides in Christ, but you don't have many fathers for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul says to them, he says, I urge you then to be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ. And he qualifies it in saying, I teach them everywhere in the church. Paul's talking to a group of people who have a lot of instructors. They have a lot of ways to get information about the Christian life, but they have forgotten their first love. They have forgotten to be imitators of Christ and these multiple voices that they're going to rather than the voice of Christ is creating division in the church. And in this same way, we do have these issues, you know, as, as a new Testament, new covenant church in the 21st century, we have a lot of places that we could go to for information. And the fact is, is that sometimes we have the potential to say, well, I am my own source of information and whatever tickles my ears 
whatever fits my fancy, I can go and find that anywhere. Matter of fact, we don't even ask her. We don't even say that to ourselves. We just do it, right? Because you want to listen to what you want to listen to. And the algorithm will allow you to listen to whatever they think you need or want to listen to. The Corinthian church didn't have algorithms. They didn't have Instagram and TikTok. We don't know about that yet, but maybe they did. No, they didn't have that. But they were listening to all these voices within the church, not outside the church. Not like they divided and went in different places. They were listening to all these voices inside their own community that were creating division in the church. It was creating unrest. And Paul says, listen, I'm going to come to you. And he says in verse 14, previous to this, he says, my beloved children, I come to you. I am your father. Why am I your father? I am your father because I presented to you the gospel by which there is life. Like a father, I begat you. And now I'm bringing you into the household by which we follow the ways of Christ. So imitate me. Follow me. Don't listen to all the other voices. This is the plea of his heart. And this word imitation can be a word that we see right there in verse 16. Can be a word that we trip over because it sounds like works. Right? Sounds like, well, we got to copy Jesus. We got to do everything he did. We have to walk on water. We got to find temples and turn over the tables. We got to heal people on the Sabbath day. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. There's something more intimate here about imitation that we're missing. And he wants to invite the Corinthian church into it. And I believe today, God wants to invite us into that understanding as well. That there is an intimacy to imitation. Let's pray first and we'll look at it together, okay? Jesus, um, I can't make this an intimate moment where we, re- we respond to you. Uh, this is a moment that I, I give over to you to reveal to our hearts the beauty of intimacy with you. And so let that be the case, that we would yield and become imitators of you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, looking again, let's look again at this, this verse. Okay, I'm going to read this verse again. Let's hear it, Okay. Paul saying to them, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then to be imitators of me. And that is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in the church. You know, I'm reminded of this moment. um, I was in youth group. And in the youth group, we uh, had d- kind of developed a, a kind of a youth band. And then we wanted some of the younger kids who were kind of fiddling around with the instruments. We wanted them to come up and then kind of lead youth every once in a while. And so uh, we, we had this opportunity to bring up the younger group to do that. And so we chose one of the girls who had a very good singing voice, excellent singing voice. Like she was, she was a marvelous singing voice. And she also had a real heart for the Lord. She just, she just loved Jesus with all of her being. And she also loved worship music and the worship genre. And she had a very favorite uh, worship leader that she liked um, and that she was listening to and, and probably from what we saw, watched videos of this worship leader. 
So we invited this girl to say, okay, well, we want you to lead this one song and have the whole rest of the band up with you. And, and Lord bless her heart. Okay. Lord bless her heart. She got up there, great singing voice. She has presence. She's leading the group, but she was acting like she was on the biggest stage of worship there possibly was. And unfortunately we were in a gym with not great sound with lots of cables and she was marching back and forth with all of her gusto, singing the song, rallying the troops to sing along with her, marching back and forth. And I saw that and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, she is copying that worship leader that I know she loves. She is totally imitating them. Her heart's in the right place. She wants to do it right, but she is imitating this individual. And unfortunately, it was distracting. It was so distracting to the point that there was a few chuckles and th some things were said and we had to quiet the troops afterwards and say, listen, guys, she just gave her all the best way she knew how. But what we want from her, what did we want from her? We wanted her to imitate Christ in that moment. And, and then what does that look like? Right? And we're not really sure, but we want to invite her to that place to say, you have the talent, you have the heart. Now go and do this in Christ. Go and do this as a beloved child of God that doesn't have to fit a format to get praise for their work. It doesn't have to perform for it. They could just come and be who they are in the moment and have God be expressed in and through them. What had happened in this Corinthian church was that there were a few people that said, listen, there's Paul who came and told you about the gospel. And there's Apollos, another gifted speaker, who's also told you about the gospel. He's great. And then there's also Peter, who's also told us about the gospel. And so we want to, with affection, assemble ourselves and associate ourselves with these individuals. And what happened was, is that there were people in the church that were saying, you know what, the best example to follow is Paul's. And this crowd that was following Paul was a crowd were generally Gentiles. There were the groups who were like, you know what, what Paul is saying about not following the Jewish law, that's great for us. We love that. Because we don't want law and we don't want sin to govern. We don't want law to govern us. We want to have more freedom and more license. So some people were saying, hey, you know what, Paul's not for the law. Why don't we just do whatever we want so that grace abounds? Right? This is fantastic. And then there was another group who was so into Apollos. Apollos was a gifted speaker. He was a gifted mind. And he would go into the scriptures and reveal things to the scriptures to the people in Corinth. And they would listen to him and they would say, hey, he's a great example to follow. He just goes to the scriptures and maybe he just makes up his own stuff. Why don't we do that? And there was a group who were saying, hey, we got to do what Apollos does. And there was another group who were the Jewish group. And they loved Cephas, which is a Jewish name for Peter. Because Peter was a Jew, he was a disciple who followed after Jesus. And he said, you know what? We can't stray away from the law. We need more legalism. We need more of that. And so there was these three warring groups advocating for this is how we should do it. And Paul's saying, listen, it's not about me it's not about whether I baptized you. It's not about, about Apollos or he baptized you. It wasn't about Peter, what he said. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the person of Christ and following him. 
And you can hear their argument back. Well, Jesus is not here. What do we do? How do we follow him? How do we imitate him? Paul reminds them that imitation is about intimacy. It's about getting to know your Savior. It's about spending time with him. But it's also about receiving his love. And let me show you where that comes from. Let's look together right now at John chapter 5, verses 19 to 27. John chapter 5, verses 19 to 27. Now, this is Jesus now. He is talking. He is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders of the day. And he gets them riled up because he shows them that his imitation of God is all about intimacy. And this is what he says. Truly, I tell you, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. But whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father, keyword, loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel for as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now follow with me still here, okay? Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Jesus is making a proclamation to them that you can trust my example because I am an intimate relationship with the father. As I am close to him, he is rubbing off on me. He's saying things and I am listening. It is a demonstration of affectionate reverence. Sometimes I think the term follow Jesus is a little weak. And let me, let me back that up. I think it's a little bit weak because I think it's a setback for us because we say, well, just do what Jesus did. You know, WWJD, just follow him, just copy him. Whatever you see that worship leader doing on those worship videos you watch, that's how you should lead worship. Do exactly what that individual does. Just follow them. And let me tell you that that girl had affectionate reverence for that worship leader. But Jesus in this passage says, I have affectionate reverence for the Father. The Father loves me, so I can't help but spend time with him. I receive his love, and whatever he instructs me to do, man, I gladly do it. And he follows the Father. Whatever his instructions is, he says, the greater things I will do. And then he, gets, he says later on in John that the, as we follow him, greater things we will do. As we are 
in intimate, affectionate relationship, we start to do the things that the Father and that Jesus has done. So it matters who we are imitating. It matters who has your affectionate reverence. Jesus is saying it matters because look, this is how he works with the Father. Paul goes along to say here, he says, listen, imitate me. Why? Because imitate me as I am in Christ. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Imitate me as I am in Christ, as I am imitating him. And he even goes even farther back to this verse that we're looking at. In verse 17, he says, man, I'm going to send you Timothy, my faithful son who imitates me, who I'm in relationship with. And, and, and will remind you because he's in relationship with me. And as I'm in affectionate relationship with the Lord, he is going to show you and remind you of the ways of Christ. As I teach them everywhere in the church, it matters who has your affectionate reverence because whoever has your affectionate reverence, you will imitate them. Let me give you another example. I was driving in the car. And uh, I won't say the act that I did, but I was driving in the car and it involved a window and it involved saliva. And I was driving in the car, okay? And we were driving along and I've, I don't know what got into my head. I must've been like 10 or 11 or something like that. And it was all family in the car. And it was like, it was like, oh, I think I've seen this done. You just put down the window if you have excess saliva and you get rid of it out the window. Well, as a 10-year-old child, I gave an attempt at that and it did not work because you had to roll it like this. You remember the old windows you had to roll down? And man, that forearm, that strength that wasn't there, you know, the dexterity wasn't there. It wasn't as quick. I hit the window, some of it hit me back. Okay, And I remember this conversation that happened in the car. It was me and a bunch of family. And everyone was just like, what are you doing? You never do that. You never do that. And I remember my mom saying, okay, this is so, okay. I remember my mom saying like, listen, you know why he does that? He does that because his dad does that. He's seen him do it multiple times. That's exactly why he did it. And I thought to myself, you know what? Darn straight. You're right. It's not my fault. Like that, that thought never came into my head. That thought never came into my head that I thought, okay, I'm going to do exactly what he does. But it probably was something that I'd seen multiple times. And I thought, okay, this is what you do. And I just went ahead and did it. I'm giving you an example, maybe not even of affectionate reverence, but I'm giving you an example of just close proximity. Cause let's talk about this word intimacy. The word intimacy actually in Greek is translated as the word oketite. And okatite, the root word for okay, um, for okay is the word home. Where we get the word, it's also translates the word where we actually, um, it's a root word by which we uh, find in the New Testament a lot of times as household. So it speaks of familiarity. So you will imitate which, whatever you are familiar with, whatever you are at home with whatever you are experiencing regularly, not only affectionate reverence, but also what you are in close proximity to. 
So I would hear this message as a young person, young people. I would hear this message as a young person and feel so much guilt because I'm like, oh my goodness, are my friends good enough? You're like, is my company good enough? And you start worrying about all these things. But if the comment here is not necessarily about just close proximity. The comment here is about who are you consciously giving your time and attention to? Because if you're giving your conscious time and attention to Christ in affectionate reverence, the things of him will start to flourish in your life. They will start to come out. You will start to behave in those ways. You know, you might have heard us say sometimes in this community, you might hear people say things like, you know, father this, you know, father that in prayer, you know, and it seems to be sort of almost like a cultural thing that kind of becomes part of who we are a little bit. And people kind of adapt and it becomes something that they begin to do. You know, I'm watching my man Ross here. He'll come up here and he'll end a sermon and he'll say, Ross, I can't even say it. I'm a bad imitator. Okay. But you'll come up here and you'll end a service with, with, a, with a phrase that will just sum it up. And I'm like, man, that is it. That's the thing I got to say after every sermon. Because I want to, with affectionate reverence, reflect what I believe under his teaching is important to the church to know about who Jesus is. And these are things that as we are getting close to Jesus and as we are as a community forming relationships that we need to be conscious of. Who am I giving my affectionate reverence to? And how is it impacting me? Is it impacting me to follow in the ways of the Lord? Is it impacting me to know him more intimately? This is a struggle for me. Because when I came to this part of developing the message, I had to think to myself, Uh, okay, am I someone who is actually in affectionate reverence, in close proximity, in familiarity with Jesus enough that other people would find me worth imitating? I'm not even asking for praise because what I want to say is this. As soon as I thought that, all these thoughts started to come to me. Man, you're not good enough. Here's how you fail. These are the things in your life that Jesus wouldn't like, that do not look like affectionate reverence of Christ, that do not look like close proximity with him. And nobody should fall. And I started to dismiss myself. And it actually spooked me from saying, oh, I can't give this message. Let me be real with you. I'm saying that because I'm sure even as I am giving this message, those same thoughts and words are coming to you. Am I somebody worth following? Am I someone who in close proximity to Christ? Let's just, let's, just, let's just deal with this right now. This is what the Lord confirmed in my heart. He gave me this image. You're in a room. You're in a room of mirrors. I wish I had mirrors, guys. I love my props, but I don't got the mirrors like this, okay? You're in a room like this. You have mirrors in a semicircle. One, two, three, four, five, six. And these mirrors can be anyone 
who you are looking for affectionate reverence from or you have affectionate reverence for. Could be a coworker, could be your parents dead or alive. You know, uh, could be your pastor. You know, it could be friends at school, could be your coach. And you have these mirrors and you live your life with these mirrors because you don't know how you look. You're not sure if you look okay. You're not sure if you do everything right. You're not sure if you're a great dad or a great mom or a great wife or a great husband or a great daughter or a great son. So we look at these mirrors to judge our worth. And we look at them and we say, so-and-so is like that. Well, if I want to feel accepted, I'm going to start to shape up and look like these individuals. And you're now you're beginning to imitate the images that you see. But guess what? There's six of them. So in this scenario, you might feel comfortable. And in this scenario, you might change to fit this mirror. In this scenario, you might change to fit this mirror. And this is what Jesus just so impressed on me. He wants to come into the courtroom, the throne rooms of your heart, where all this affectionate reverence happens. And he wants, I don't even do the gentle way. He wants to turn these mirrors down. One, two, three, four, five, six. Bring them all down so that we could just be in the throne room of our hearts with him. Because this is what he impressed on me. As long as I am looking to him, as long as I am looking to him and I am in an affectionate relationship with him and I am pursuing him for life, that he is going to shape my heart. And then as that is happening, I am leaving in my wake an example by which others will follow. But I'm not supposed to look back. I'm just supposed to stay focused on him. This is like when Peter came to, to Jesus and he said, well, what about John? Well, what if John's supposed to live forever? What, what, what's going on there? And Jesus said, don't look at John. Just feed my sheep. Follow my example. Look at me. Don't look anywhere else. And as I do that, I allow in my wake an example of Jesus for others to follow. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, you guys have been looking at all these other individuals, even myself, and idolizing me. And he said, you got the wrong picture. You have a bunch of mirrors up. Lay them down. And trust me, trust me, as I've shown you the gospel of Christ, that Jesus is enough. Follow me as I am following him. I invite you into intimate relationship. If you have trouble seeing what Christ is like, you can follow me as your spiritual father. Because I am now in intimate relationship with him. Come now and be in intimate relationship with me. Let's look now. Very, we're going to go back to the verse quickly now. We're going to go back to verse 15. And I want to point out two things to you as we wrap this up. So Paul says here, for though you have countless guides, okay, that word guides can actually be translated in the, in the Greek as the word pedagogos. I didn't even say it right. Okay, but this word here 
is actually the term in Greek used for slave tutors. So it was a term used by slave tutors. Slave tutors were the ones that were given to the children of either rich and a wealthy high status. Now these, these, these slave tutors were supposed to train the children who couldn't inherit all that their parents had yet. They were supposed to train them in the ways so that they'd be prepared to take on at the time of adoption as sons to inherit all that their parents had. They were being prepared for that time. And so Paul says, guess what? You have a ton of slave tutors to just tell you what to do. You have tons of people that you're clamoring after, idols that you're pursuing, mirrors that you're trying to measure up to. He says, you have countless ones of those. But he says, you don't have many fathers. And I'm going to use the word father. He is talking now about that father in the example of the one who will give over the inheritance to the child. What is Paul saying? Paul's actually being a little bit salty. He's actually saying, you're being childish. You need a slave tutor to tell you what to do. But guess what? I'm your father in the sense that I presented to you the gospel as Christ revealed it to me. And there is freedom there. And there's a great inheritance there. And you don't have to follow along with whatever you see other people doing. You can just imitate me as I imitate Christ because I am also a recipient of this inheritance. And come alongside an intimate relationship with me rather than going into division. And listen to what I'm saying. And even I'll send you Timothy, who can give you that example as well. And in this way, you mature into being adopted sons who have all the freedom and all the wonder and all the privilege and the inheritance of what it is to be in Christ. He's basically letting them know that this is a maturity that you've been invited into, but you're behaving like children. Another thing Paul's saying too is that the division, as he knows, is going to create isolation. And I think this is also a symptom of the church these days, that we feign on community, that we can often feign on relationships because we have many people and places by which to get information about Jesus. So we go to these places And we hear the things that tickle our ears that make us feel good, but they may not be a representation of Christ. And so what happens is that people then start to do that and become isolated. They take their step out of church community away from people who are experiencing intimacy with Christ. And then they get into a scenario by which you two becomes their place of fellowship and teaching. Now, there's a lot of great things on YouTube. Let me not feign on YouTube, okay? Good thing my children are here because they'd be very upset about that, right? But, but the problem is not necessarily the function, but the result. It can become isolation. So again, I ask the question, who do you have affectionate reverence for? Who are you in close proximity with? Because whoever you are in intimacy with, you will imitate. Again, I just want to praise Ross again. 
Um, I just want to say that we have a privilege at New Life uh, to follow a man like Ross, who is a warrior for people's hearts. But I want to say this. I want to say that, you know what Ross's greatest value is? He is a Jesus listener. Um, being in church circles, I can tell you that some pastors aren't Jesus listeners. Many are, but some aren't. Ross is a Jesus listener. To come under his teaching is a blessing to me and my household. And it's a blessing to you and your household. He's a man who's present to the Lord. We have a privilege to press in, into intimacy and relationship in this church as we have pastors here who are doing the same. And as they are pressing into intimacy and listening for Jesus and doing the tough things that, that, that we are able to now imitate the things of Christ. It's a privilege that we have in community because we could be just like the people in Corinth. Where is this Jesus character? How do I follow him? Look around you. Who are the people in this congregation? Who are the people in this community who you could say, yes, I know that person follows Jesus. I know that person loves Jesus. And the affectionate reverence they show to me, I know is an example of Jesus' affectionate reverence for me. These are the people that we have the privilege to press into close community with, into relationship with, and what's the byproduct? Imitation to Jesus. But first and foremost, before any of that happens, this is a privilege of community, but before any of that happens, go into the throne room of your heart. Jesus is on the throne of your heart. As you are in Christ and Christ is in you. He's on the throne room, but you know what the consequence can be sometimes by having affection and reverence for every other example around you is that those mirrors block the vision of him. So maybe today it's an opportunity to ask yourself in your heart, what mirrors am I measuring up to? Who's commanding all the affection and reverence in my life? other than Jesus. Then the next question is, who has God put into my life to be an imitation of Christ to me? Who are my spiritual parents? Paul says, I'm your father. I'm not like legitimately your father, like biologically, but spiritually I'm your father because I presented life to you. Who are the people in your life, in your Christian journey, who have shown the life of Christ to you? Don't push them away. Draw them in close. Or maybe you're like me. This is the third thing. Maybe you're like me and you're struggling with your own example. And you're looking at your own performance and you're looking at your own works and you're looking at your failures and you're saying, I'm not good enough. Stop right there. You've been made good enough, good enough by the cross of Christ. That is your assessment. That is your evaluation. You've been made righteous. Christ is on your heart. Christ is in your heart, on the throne of your heart. Look to him. Don't look to anyone else. Don't look to your past. This is a crazy thing. Don't even bring up a mirror of yourself. 
right? Remember I'm talking about the six mirrors? One of the mirrors for me is myself, is my past performance. And I'm like, oh, I can't outwork that, that failure I made. So I'm not worthy. You know what Christ does? Smash. Sorry, I had to do that because I got to get your attention here, okay? I'm going to do it again. Smash. Right? Cut that out. How dare you think that you could earn the status that I've given you? You can't earn it. It was given. You are a child of God, a prince and a princess in God's great throne room, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Reflect on that. Now that is something that I would want to follow. Someone who thinks and reflects on who they are in Christ. Let's embrace the intimacy, church, of imitation. Not run away when we see that word in the scriptures. It's a demonstration of affection and reverence that Jesus had with the Father and the Father has with Jesus. And we can step into that same beautiful relationship. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, I am so thankful for all the of people that you've put in my life to show me the life of Christ. I'm thankful for the people in this room. And, and, and in the ways that they reveal the life of Christ without even trying, because they're just walking with Jesus and they're just listening to him. I'm so thankful for that. But I'm also thankful for you and that you are sitting on the throne of my heart and you're on the thrones of the hearts of the people here. So open up our hearts to receive your love that we wouldn't deny the opportunity to enter into affectionate reverence and intimacy and imitation of you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.